it's, it's kind of a strange uh, series. Uh, so you're dead. Like, now what? What's? <laughs> you, you've, you've lived your life on earth, and, and what's going to happen for the rest of it? Uh, you know, if, if, you're, if your lifeline started over there <laughs> and, and went that way, what I'd have you to understand is your time on earth is like this much of it. It's just we're going to spend a whole lot more years in eternity than we will on this earth. So I don't know about you. I'm kind of curious about what's next. I like digging into it once in a while just because, just because I want to know. How, how about you? Um, so uh, our next series begins, So You're Dead, Now What? The thought of death. Doesn't it make your skin crawl? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, just seeing one of these things kind of gets your attention. I, it, it certainly got my attention, our uh, volunteer pallbearers for the day. Uh, thought it would be cool if I actually rode inside the thing and popped out of it as soon as I got up to the front. But I'm telling you, you wouldn't catch me dead in one of those things. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, but, but just seeing something like that can make us uncomfortable. We don't, we don't know what to do about it. We don't, we don't know what to do about it. It's, it's, the funeral industry is, is so interesting to me. It's, it's changing. It's ebbing and flowing. Uh, in Dallas, Texas, a new store has begun. I hear this is going to become a chain store. It's called the Casket Store. Big, green, neon sign, the Caskets, the Casket Store. I guess you go in and, and, and you pick out your casket. And I, I was just trying to envisioning what, envision what it would be like to be a salesman um, at, at the casket store. You know, uh, somebody comes in, so glad you're here. Would you like to try one on? You know, I, I, I don't know. And, and if you want to know what that might look like, um, there, there is a clown in my life who decided to try one on last night. See him up there grinning with a peace sign? I'm like, oh, my. Oh, my. He, he thinks he's so funny. It wasn't funny. But anyway... Uh, you know, so, so glad you're here, you want to try one on, and, uh, and, and then maybe as you talk to them for a while, if they're not, not buying, you say something like, so what, what's it going to take to get you in one of these things anyway, you know? I, I don't know. Funny thing is, next to the casket store in Dallas, there is another store, and uh, it's called Boxes to Go. So if you can't afford a casket at the casket store, you just go to Boxes to Go, and you get one, you know, and they... They wrap you up, tape you up, box you up, ship you wherever you want to go. You know, fantastic. I mean, everything's covered. Whatever you can afford. <laughs> Whatever you can afford. <laughs> Life is just so quick. I can't think of any other word for it than just quick. Uh, yesterday I was invited to two events. Um, the first was, was a wedding. It was a wedding for a little girl who was, uh, when I first met her, a little girl. She was like 12 years old. Uh, I, I was her father's mentor. He is, he is a pastor. Uh, he doesn't need a mentor anymore. I'm not his mentor anymore. I'm just his friend. But when, when I first met her, she was 12 years old, and she's now 27. And It was just great going to the wedding. I mean, it was fantastic. She was beautiful, and the groom was, was you know, debonair. And, they were all excited about life, and in the wedding party uh, uh, were her two sisters, Annika. Annika actually was part of our church for a brief time. She worked here early on in one of the summers. Some of you remember her. 
She had a lot of health issues since then. But, but there was Annika, the maid of honor, and next to her, Amelia, and then some other girls I didn't know. And on the other side were her two brothers, <laughs> Caleb, tall, scrawny, uh, kind of like the pallbearer that was just here a minute ago, tall and, you know. And, and, and then there was Gabe. Gabe is now 15 years old. He looks like an offensive lineman from the Detroit Lions. You know what I'm saying? And, and the first time I met Gabe, uh, well, actually, <laughs> the first time I held Gabe was a Sunday that I was invited to their church to give the message that morning. And the first time I held him, they put him in my arms and I lifted him up and I said some words and I baptized him and now he's 15 years old and I think it's so quick. After the wedding, I was invited to go to a a celebration for someone's 80th birthday. Incidentally, I would like to have one of those someday. How about you? Celebration for your 80th? Wouldn't wouldn't that be cool? And uh, and if I make 80... But what's interesting to me is this person who I was celebrating, we were celebrating the 80th birthday for. When I met her, she was in her, in her kind of early 60s. She was the organist at our church. She was a spitfire. Let me tell you, organists are spunky creatures, okay? Sometimes kind of scary, you know? Um, and so life is so quick. She was young. Now she's 80. <laughs> Gabe was a baby, and now he's a lot bigger than I am. Life is just, is just quick. And so uh, when, when you look at life, you want to say, so you're dead, now what? What's going to happen? The mo- I die, the, the second later, what, what is it going to be like? And maybe you're saying, why on earth are you talking about this? Well, the, the why is simple. Because what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life. It really will. It'll determine how you live your life. Um, and that's why we go there. You know, people believe so many different things about death. It, atheists believe that when you die, it's just, it's just over. There, to me, is nothing sadder than, than standing up in front of a crowd performing a funeral before a family who believes it's just over. Despair. It is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So many people think so many different things. Uh, Islam believes that when you die, uh, your, your, uh, your soul gets to be judged before Allah. If you did a little more good with your life than bad with your life, then you go into Allah's heaven. If you did more bad, you go into Allah's hell. That's what it believes. Um, some people think when you die, you become angels. You know, I, I can just imagine this, you know. Little, fat, chubby, bald angels with wings. I mean, I, I can do the bald part. I got that going. and <laughs> You know, some people think you, you uh, after you die, you become reincarnated. You come back as something else. If you, if you were really, really a bad person, uh, you know, a Michigan State Spartan fan or something like that, you return as a cockroach. Amen? <coughs> can you tell how I feel about yesterday's football game? <coughs> If you're a really good person, maybe you come back as a tree, a blue spruce, or I, I don't know, a higher life form. But what you believe about death and eternity, to some degree, will determine how you live your life. So maybe we should ask, what is it that we know about death? i got to tell you, I have not been there. 
Every now and then you, you, you see a story about somebody who has died and has come back to life. Uh, a few years back, I saw the guy that wrote the book, 90 Minutes in Heaven. Any, anybody see him? Fascinating story, I'm telling you. <laughs> but most of us, we haven't been there. So what is it that we know about death? Well, we don't know a lot about death. But Scripture tells us some things about death. And I think that those things that Scripture tells us, we can be, we can be clear about. And so we, we can share those. And if you want to grab your message notes, what I want you to know first thing from Scripture is that death is certain. Death is certain. Uh, there have been studies on this. Uh, on average, one out of every one person dies, okay? It's just, it's, it's, it's certain. It says in Hebrews 9, 27 and 28, just as a man is destined to, what does it say? Die once, after that to what? Face judgment. <laughs> Death is certain. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. <laughs> what happens after you die? Well, it depends. It depends on what you did with Christ while you were alive. What happens after you die, it depends on what you did with Christ. And, and maybe you're saying, but why, why Christ? Why does he have anything to do with the whole thing at all? <laughs> the why is simple. God is holy. And I don't know about you, I am not. <laughs> and in fact, what we know is that within each of us is a sin nature you know, people say stuff like, the devil made me do it. No, no. You were capable all by your little self. <laughs> With each, within each of us is a sin nature, and our sin nature <laughs> doesn't work with a holy God. God is pure and holy. Isn't going to look on our sin nature. But God loved us so much. He loved us. He made us with a plan. We got messed up. We got lost. He sent his son. Why does Jesus matter? Because Jesus is God's son. He sent his son, born of a virgin, born without a sin nature, uh, born who lived and died and sacrificed his blood on our behalf. For God so loved the world, the scripture says, he gave his only son. <laughs> After three days dead, here's the cool part, he rose from the dead. You've heard it. He rose from the dead. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the most powerful story ever told. And anyone who believes in him will have life. Uh, you know, it's interesting. So many people, you ask people on the street, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. You know, that's what they'll say. I believe in God. You know, the scripture says, it says in James, even the devil believes in God. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him. If you study Greek, you look at the word in, it's really kind of not just in, it's in too. I, I believe in that chair. That chair is doing me no good just believing in it, is it? I mean, it's just a chair. But if I believe into the chair, I'm putting my whole weight on the chair. Whosoever believes into, this is what it means. I'm throwing myself, I'm putting my weight into him, whosoever believes into him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Why Christ? 
because God is holy and we are not. We need the provision he provides. Uh, you know, today as, as you sit in this church, I, I don't know where you are at with God. And, and maybe you're wondering where you're at too. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you know exactly where you're at. But today as you are s- sitting in this church, I want you to know that today could be the day that you say, I just heard that verse, for God so loved the world, I want to believe into Christ. Maybe today would be the day that you, you make a step toward Christ. <laughs> if you turn your life to Christ today, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You turn your life over to Jesus, you know what will happen? Your sins will be forgiven. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because of that, you will pray, God will hear you, you will hear God. <laughs> you'll come and you'll open this book and it will become alive. Anybody ever read this book and had it mean nothing to you? I, I don't understand a word it's saying. Before I was a Christian, I read it. I couldn't get anything out of it. <laughs> Gave my life to Christ. The Holy Spirit came. I read it. It just become alive. You turn your life over to Christ, that'll become alive. There'll be a party in heaven. Isn't that cool? <laughs> and when you die, you will physically die but your body will go on forever. That's the good news. De- death is certain. <laughs> it, is, it is certain. It is. And the, and, and the second thing that is certain is what we know about death is the soul and the body will separate. For some of us, that is good news. Uh, <laughs> you, you are not your body. Your body is not you. you know? The body is simply a tent. Your soul lives in that tent. Okay, the body is. If you don't like what you look like, uh, maybe that's okay, because you're not looking at the real you. You know, I know that's true because I don't know about you. I look in the mirror every now and then, and I look and I think, "Who is that old man looking back at me?" Have you ever had that happen? You know, huh? No, no, that's not me. That's that's my tent. When you die, your soul and your body. Separate. <laughs> Your body dies, the real you lives. It is simple as that. Jesus said these words in Matthew. He said, do not be afraid of those who kill the, the what? Body. But those who cannot kill the, see, body and soul, two different things. We're made up of two different things. The body and the soul separate. Be afraid of the one who can kill both body and soul. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the other one. One day my body will stop. It'll stop working. My family will go and plan a funeral. Some people from my church will go home and begin to make potato salad. Now it's the truth. But what I want you to know is I will be very much alive. I will be very much alive. One time I was doing a funeral for this guy named Bob. It's a wonder I even remember this because I've, I've done so many funerals. I, don't, I can look at the book and read the names and I don't even remember. I don't even remember it. That's sad to me. But <laughs> I remember being at the cemetery. It was a fall day, a pretty sunny fall day. And, and the families all gathered around. And those are weird moments. They really are, you know. You get to the end of the committal service, which lasts all about five minutes, you know, and, 
And some people leave and the family's there and they're like, do we leave? Don't we leave? What do we do? It's so awkward. Nobody knows what to do. And, and I'm at this service and, and, it, and it hasn't started yet. We're just gathering and, and, and I just sense the Holy Spirit saying to me, this is all fake. It's all fake. It's not real. It seems like we're burying Bob. But Bob isn't here. <laughs> and so I said to the family, what I want you to know is this is an illusion. It might seem to you like we are burying Bob. But Bob's not here. <laughs> That's pretty good news, isn't it? The body and the soul, they separate. In Christ, you can be very much alive. Look what it says in John 11. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I'll take that program. How about you? <laughs> you know? Third thing we know. What do we know about death? In death, you will face judgment. <laughs> this may be new information for you uh, because we don't hear much about this. But it says in Hebrews 9.27, clearly, just as a man is destined to die once, after that to face judgment. I don't know about you, but I don't like judgment very well. How many of you like judgment? How many of you like to be evaluated? Anybody like to be evaluated? Uh, funniest thing happened the other night. Uh, I have a, a team of people from our church that evaluates me every year. It's pastors just do that once a year. And so I've been a pastor a long time, so I have a stack of evaluations about that thick, you know, and I, I always go to those things and I think to myself, when, I, when I'm in the right mood, I think to myself, I wonder what they'll come up with this year I've never heard of before. This will be interesting. Well, this year, I would have you know, our team came up with something in the evaluation that I had not heard before. It was a strength. They wanted to put this as a strength. And you know what it was? <laughs> Linnea, the chair of our team, said, I think one of the strong things about you, Pastor Scott, is that you're bored easily. Going, wow, that's a strength? And she's like, well, yeah, you get bored easy. You want to get on to the next thing. That helps keep us moving. And I'm like, Whew. most churches in America, that would not be considered a strength today. You know, you'll face judgment. And, and it's a judgment a whole lot more serious than than, than some team from your church will give you or, or some job evaluation you will see, you'll, you'll receive, you're going to face judgment. And, and in the Bible, there are two kinds of judgment. The first one is the great white throne judgment. Uh, two kinds of judgment. This judgment, this evaluation of your life uh, is found in Revelation chapter 20. It's a judgment seen by a guy named John. John uh, was still alive shortly after Jesus raised from the dead. He was still alive. He was arrested for his faith. He was sent off to the island of Patmos, a prison island. He was alone. He spent a lot of time with God. And in the middle of it, John saw a vision of what eternity would look like, what heaven would look like, what judgment would look like, what the end of the world would look like. We know it as as the last book of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, most of us are scared to read it, but <laughs> in, in the book of Revelation, you find the great white throne. Two kinds of judgment. First one, Revelation 20, the great white throne. Then I saw a great 
white throne and him who is seated on it. So there's a throne and there's one seated on it. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And also, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. This is interesting. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. (laughs) The great white throne. I saw dead people there, great and small. And I saw a lot of books. There was a lot of books there. And then I saw another book, a single book, the book of life. This is actually not the book of life. It's just the oldest book I have, okay? And at that judgment, your name can either be written in here or your deeds written in here. Your name can be here or your deeds written in here. I looked this over earlier. I saw some interesting names like Rolandini and Westraden. I didn't know you could put that long of a name in the book of life. It's, you know, small. But but there was room. (laughs) I saw names. Your name is either in this book or your deeds written in this book. And you might think, that's strange. (laughs) And the difference is what you did with Christ while you were on earth. You turn your life over to Christ, immediately your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know what? Scholars believe that you will not be at this judgment. You're a believer in Christ, you won't be there. (laughs) Your deeds will not be there. Your name will just be written in the book of life. However, if your name is not written in the book of life, all of your deeds will be there. There you are, you're trying to qualify for heaven... (laughs) And so your life will be checked out. All the good things you did in your life and even your sins will be written in the book. And, and the question will be, do you qualify for heaven? And we all have this sin nature and none of us qualify. And that's why your name needs to be written in that book as opposed to your deeds written in that book. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Scripture is so clear about the the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. It's by grace you're saved. Grace, a free gift. Not of your own. Nothing to boast about you. (laughs) Two judgments. First, the great white throne. (laughs) And and you want your name written in the book. And and if your name isn't, then you're thrown into the lake of fire. (laughs) The lake of fire. Hell, eternity, suffering. You don't want to go there. (laughs) Second judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. Anybody heard of the judgment seat of Christ? It's a much better place to be. (laughs) You know? The judgment seat of Christ. Uh, It says in Romans 14.10, For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. All is people who believe in Christ. Paul is writing to people who believe in Christ. We, we who believe in Christ will stand before uh, the judgment seat. Uh, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things he has done while in the body, whether good or bad. (laughs) 
the judgment seat, in, in, in the original language, the judgment seat is known as the, it's the Bema seat. B-E-M-A. <laughs> it has a very interesting meaning. The, the Bema seat. If you were on trial for something in those days, you, you would you'd be in a special spot known as the Bema seat, and the judge would declare you either guilty or innocent. <laughs> but it was also used in, in the Olympics. I need someone to help and volunteer for this. Steve, come on up here. Would you like to see Steve before the judgment seat on the Bema seat of Christ? How many of you would like to see that? Wouldn't that be most exciting? There's only three of you. The rest are like, I don't want to look. So, so really, the Bema seat is, it's not really a seat, it's kind of a step. Step up on that, would you, Steve? Step up on that. Good, because it wasn't comfortable. Yeah, it wouldn't be comfortable. And, and so, when you get there, you're going to step up. Now, it was like the Olympics. You did an event, you got to the end of the event, and you would step up, and then you would kind of bow down, and the judge would put a wreath on your head, and that was your award if you won the Olympics. What I want you to do is picture this. Should we give Steve a big round of applause? So we get, you got to see him on the judgment seat of Christ. I, I, I would have given, well, maybe we should have had you here for a minute. You'll be glad you're not. So imagine this. You have died. This judgment seat of Christ is not to determine whether or not you will be with Christ or will not be with Christ. That was already determined by your decision to accept Christ or not on earth. That's already decided, okay? Uh, at the judgment seat of Christ, what is determined is your rewards for heaven. So, so there you go, you die. <laughs> and immediately you see Jesus. And you look into his eyes. I can just imagine this. You see his love. You look into his eyes and you see his love and you understand what he did for you for the first time in your life. You get it. And you just want to bow down. <laughs> and you want to worship him. I don't mean for 20 minutes. You want to worship him for a million years. And maybe that sounds strange, but that's what you're going to want to do when you really see him for who he is. There you are. You've died. You see him. You see his Love and you will just crave the opportunity to worship and kneel before Him. You'll just want to do that. What I want you to imagine is you're, you're, you're bowing down, you're about to come down, and He says, Just a minute. And He comes up to you and He maybe He hugs you, He embraces you, and He says, Good job. Good job. You did a great job. And, and I'm proud of you. And, and you're hearing him speak. And, and he's embracing you. And you know you. And you don't want to have anything to do with it. I know what my life was like. How can you tell me? I know all those times I messed up. How can you tell me? It was a good job. And he'll say, you did great, you don't understand. And he'll say, when, when did I do great? And he'll say, the things you did for me, it's amazing. And he'll say, what did I do for you? And he'll say, remember in my word, whatever you did for the least of one of these, you did for me, Matthew 25, what you did to the least, you did to me. And he'll say, what did I do for you? And you'll be confused and he'll say, 
something like, um, <laughs> remember that time? Remember that time on a Saturday? Your church had a program. <laughs> the program was to go to this woman's house and, and fix the roof. She didn't have any money. She was old and couldn't do very much. And, and, and the church was going to fix the roof and you were tired and you weren't going to go, but you got up and you went anyway and you went to her house and you started working on the roof and then you started talking to her and you just started serving and you had such a great time serving and you just kind of lost yourself serving. I think Jesus will say at that time, I just want you to understand, that was me. You did that for me. <laughs> or uh, you were driving your car. You got to a truck stop. You filled up your car in gas. You were almost out of money. The guy in front of you was $3 short. Couldn't pay his, couldn't pay his bill. And, and you didn't have much, but you... What's, the guy is just having a meltdown. What do I do? And you just handed him three bucks. Uh, that was me. You were doing that to me. <laughs> And Jesus would say something like, you know, one day you went to work and, and there was a person there at work. You, you had way too much to do, but you noticed this person, something didn't seem right and you were just drawn to them. And you went over and you sat by their desk and you said, can you tell me what's going on? And they just, start, they just spilled everything and they just started crying. And you said, can I pray for you? And they said, yeah. And Jesus says, me again. You did that for me. <laughs> and then he says, bow down. So you're on the beam of seat. He says, bow down. And, and he, puts a, he puts a crown on your head. Huh? <laughs> now, I don't know why it's a crown. But all I have to say, it's his kingdom. He's the king. If he wants to put a crown on my head, he can put a crown on my head. Amen? I mean, simple as that. I don't know why. You know, when you read through scripture... There are several crowns uh, mentioned that will be given out in heaven. Actually, there's five of them listed. I don't know why only five. Maybe there's 500. I don't really know. Uh, but, but there's five of them listed. They're very interesting. The first one is the incorruptible crown. Maybe you've heard of that. It's for people who are seeking maturity in Christ. They get up in the morning. They read their Bible. They pray. They fast. They're part of a small group. They dig in. They want to grow. They want to become like Christ you'll receive an incorruptible crown. Maybe, maybe it looks sort of like this, you know. I, I don't know. And then there's a crown of righteousness. It's for those who are not really very concerned with their life on earth. This earth thing doesn't matter. Because <laughs> I want to be in heaven one day. I want to see him face to face. And yes, you can buy all the new uh, Ferraris you want to buy, but Ferraris don't mean much to me because... I want to be up there. I don't really care about having to polish a Ferrari. doesn't mean anything. <laughs> the crown of righteousness. And then there's the crown of rejoicing. Maybe you'll be up there uh, and, and you'll bend over and you'll get one of these crowns. Won't they be great? The crown of rejoicing. Uh, actually, the crown of rejoicing is, uh, is known as the soul winner's crown. It's the crown given to those who... who Bring somebody to church, and that somebody meets Jesus. <laughs> the crown of rejoicing. If, if you receive the crown of rejoicing, it's because every waking moment of your day, you're thinking about who you can share Jesus with. Some of you don't remember him, but a few years ago, there was a really weird guy who was part of our church. His name was Cliff. He's my friend, so I can say he was weird. 
And when Cliff turned 50, he was part of our church, and he said, you know, for turning 50, for my 50th year, here's what I want to do. And I'm like, this will be interesting. <laughs> and he said, for every year I've lived, I want to I want to help 10 people find Jesus. By the time my year's over, <laughs> I want to have helped 500 people find Jesus. That's a guy who's going to get the crown of rejoicing, don't you think? <laughs> Fourth crown is the crown of glory. That's for those who care for others. Shepherds, pastors. It's a pastor crown, honestly. Uh, it's a youth leader crown. It's a children's ministry worker crown. It's a small group leader crown. It's for those who cared about others, the crown of glory. You shepherded your flock. You did well. And the last one is the crown of life. It's for you who have endured trials of every kind. Do you know how many people have died for their faith over the years? Martyrs <laughs> turn from Christ or die. Can you imagine? And that was a choice still is today in some parts of the world. Renounce your faith or die. Crown of life. Those of you who endure trials. Maybe not persecution to death, but just trials. Some of you endure persecution within your own families, and yet you will not let go. Crown of life. <laughs> I guess as we get kind of to the end of this, my question is, have you lived a life worthy of reward? And I can tell you, as somebody who's known a lot of Christians over the, over the years, some have and some probably haven't. I, I've known Christians who, <laughs> they claim the name of Christ. They attended my church twice a year. <laughs> that is, until I'd ask them to do anything, anything. Then they'd go find someone else's church. <laughs> have you lived a life worthy of reward? Some have, some have not. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, a, a description of this. A person's work will be shown for what it is. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Their work is being sorted out because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. There will be a purifying fire. And the test, uh, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive reward. If it is burned up, if what you did was for Christ, it will survive, you will receive reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. His spiritual destination was determined while he was on earth because he said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior, you know. <laughs> but, but nothing else left. He's smelling smoky in heaven, I think. You know, one day, all of you who believe, <laughs> your work will be judged. And some of you are going to be pretty surprised. Some of you are going to be rewarded handsomely. I'm serious. You know, you'll be blown away. <laughs> It'll take you a million years to get used to the idea. There are people in this church who are some of the most amazing servants I've ever seen, some of the most generous people I've ever seen. Some of the most selfless people I've ever seen. Some of the most Christ-like people I have ever seen. And you don't do it for reward. But you will receive reward. And it will take you a million years to take it all in. A million years. Some, however, hardly have done anything for Christ. They prayed the prayer. <laughs> they benefited from salvation. 
but his love was never evident in their life. That day will be a day of regret. Yes, they asked Jesus into their life. (laughs) Yes, they will experience heaven. But the regret will be they are as one who is escaping the flames and they would do anything to do it over again. They would do anything to do it over again. (laughs) Once they see how good and how awesome he is. You know, what you believe about eternity will determine how you live. I mean, that's just reality. It'll determine how you live. One day you are alive on earth, <laughs> and then your body will give, away, will give way, and you'll receive either the greatest welcome you can ever imagine in your life, or else, <laughs> or else the greatest despair possible. Either way, that moment, that destination is fixed while you are on this earth. And so it matters what you do with Christ while you are on this earth. I want to pray for you. Could you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we come to this moment of the service. We're thinking about we've gotten to the point of death and we wonder what's next. And, and God, we can see from this the picture of what's ahead. Father, some here uh, have never really asked Jesus into their life. Many have, some have not. And, and if you're in the, in the spot of you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've really never, really never made that first step and you want to make that first step today and I would challenge you to make that step today. If you're in that spot, all you got to do is say, dear Jesus, come into my life. I turn my life to you. And when you do, your sins will be forgiven. There'll be a party in heaven. (laughs) There'll be a party in heaven. Maybe some, Lord, are sitting here thinking, yeah, I said that prayer a long time ago, but you sure couldn't tell it by the way I live. Sure couldn't tell it. And I don't want my life to be a life of regret. God, for anyone in that spot, I just ask you to help them to, just totally throw their whole weight into you. Believe into you. Live into you. That they might experience the joy and the peace you want for them. Father, one day we're all going to stand before you. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. I can sort of imagine what it will be like to see him face to face and have him looking at me and looking at him and feeling like he's so amazing and so loving I can hardly look. <laughs> it's just going to be hard to deal with. It's just going to be awesome, though. And after a million years, we'll soak it all in. But I said a minute ago, what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life. Three more weeks in this series, if you believe there is such thing as eternity, <laughs> bring somebody with you who maybe hasn't figured that out yet. That's what this is about. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.